I've been debating what to call my message this morning, and I decided to call it How to Be Sent. Now, we've had a series on We the Church, and the first three weeks we talked about, uh, we, we talked about being beloved, redeemed, and empowered. And today we're going to add the third thing, which is being sent. Now, in Sunday school, we all learn when God tells us to go somewhere, the right answer is yes, I'll go, and so on, all right? So imagine that someone in your family asks you to go and get some tea. And you scramble out the door. Does anybody know what's going to go wrong with this story? You get to the grocery store and there's 27 kinds of tea. Should have asked a question or two before I left. I've done that lots of times. Heather says, once in a while she's busy and she's making something. Some ladies are coming over and she's making stuff. Do you mind? I need something or do you mind to go? No problem, okay? I scramble out, get to the store. and Oh my goodness. I have no idea what to do next. You know what? When God sends us, same thing often happens. Oh yeah, sure God, I can do that. And you get into the situation, oh my goodness, I should have asked a few more questions about how to do this. And so I want to talk this morning about the process of being sent. We could call this, what does it mean to be sent? Or an even better thing on this slide would have been if it said, how to be sent. Now, you know me, I like stuff that's practical. So I'm going to talk about a very practical thing this morning, how to be sent to the grocery store. That's something we can all identify with, and it gives us all, the, it gives us all of the, the setting that we need to understand what it means to be sent. So when I'm talking about the grocery store, you can be listening about the grocery store, but hopefully you'll be thinking about when God sends you out, it's the very same story. Now, to give this a little bit more uh, meaning, I just want to refer to two verses. In, John, in 1 John 4.20 it says... Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For, and here's the important part, for whoever does not, oh, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have seen. And so the principle to learn from this passage is you can't do better at spiritual things which are not seen than you can at natural things which are seen. So if you're no good at going to the grocery store, guess what? you're probably not going to be terribly successful if God sends you out. But if you can learn how to be sent out by going to the grocery store and you get that all figured out, then probably when God sends you on something, you'll have all of that figured outness in hand and you'll be able to do what God says to do. So that's the first point. The second point comes from Matthew 25 and it says, If you have been faithful over little, I will set you over much. And so... If this going to the store for tea is, well, too mundane a job for you and you're not going to bother to do that, well, you know what? If you don't learn how to do the get some tea or something simple, then when God has a job or he has a bigger job, then he's not going to be able to send you because you haven't got it figured out. And so I want to talk this morning about some ways that we can get the being sent part figured out. All right, let's start by talking about the elephant on the table. You're busy doing whatever you're doing in your day, and somebody says, do you mind too? That's going to be a diversion from your day. Let's face it, it's a problem. It's a disruption. It, it messes up what you were planning to do. 
Same thing happens when God says, I'd like you to do something. It, it represents a diversion. And we may as well just admit that that's the case. Um, if you were planning to go to the store anyway, you would be there. So as soon as somebody says, will you, that automatically represents uh, a diversion. Now, to help us think about uh, this, this process of being sent in a little more detail, I, I made up a slide, I'm calling it the sendometer. And it just gives you some things to think about. So the first thing we can think about is the problem of scheduling. So, somebody asks you to do something, then you've got to think about, can I fit it into my schedule? And on one end of the spectrum is, I can fit it in. And on the other end of the spectrum is, that's impossible. Now, if you want, you can take a picture of this slide when it's finished, so you have it for reference this week, okay? So when your spouse says, can you go to the grocery store, you can pull this up and start to frame your answer, okay? Or if God says, would you, you can pull this off your phone and say, okay, let me just figure this out. Now, this is conveniently set up so you can put a mark on there showing where you are along the spectrum. There we go, okay? So, you can mark where you are on this spectrum. Now, there's some more things you've got to think about. The cost of this, all right? So if I'm going to the grocery store, that's going to cost me. It's going to cost me an hour, all right? It's going to cost me some gas. Maybe some other jobs will cost me even more, some energy and some effort. And so you can think about the cost. Well, okay, I'm willing to pay the cost, or that's just too expensive. But when you're sent out by your spouse or by God, you're thinking about these things. And I'm just giving you a little more framework so you can think about these pieces and make it a little more clear. All right, the next thing is probability of success. So if someone sends you out, there's some things Heather sends me for and I just think this isn't going to work out. I know she gave me good instructions and she gave me a list, but I'm just no good at picking out meat at the grocery store. That looks nice. Well, I think I'll get the, this the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't work out. But I'm getting pretty good at tea and a few other things, all right? But, so what's the probability of success? You're thinking about that. And it's right to think about that. So God sends you on something. And be honest. If God's sending you to speak to somebody, would you give that person a word? You're thinking about what's the probability of success? What's the chance that that's the right person and that's the right word that God gave me and if I talk to them that they're not going to be upset or that they're going to receive what I say? Let's face it, you're thinking about that. That's a good thing to think about, but this just kind of gives you a little more framework. All right, the next thing is your interest level. You know, I'd much rather go to the hardware store than go to the grocery store. But sometimes the grocery store is the thing that's needed. So there's the question of interest, uh, ranging from, I can hardly wait to go to, no way. And the last thing is your response. And you might say, send me. That's a good answer. Now, on the other end of the spectrum is not, I won't go. We can, we're much more subtle and much smarter than that. Instead, what we put in is, why don't you send Joe? Now, as a blank there, you can write in whoever's name you want, but just for convenience, good. I'm glad somebody's taken a picture of the slide set here. <laughs> just for convenience, I've written in a name there, okay, in case you can't think of somebody else's name to write in there. 
And this is biblical, I'll just remind you. Saying, send somebody else is biblical, okay? And I'll give you the example in a few minutes if you're not sure where it is. Now, I just need to remind you, oh, can you go back to that slide there? I just want to remind you that if God sends you on something, He actually knows what your real calendar is, okay? And not only that, but maybe your calendar is full, but that's not His calendar. And so, part of it is you need to align your calendar with God's, all right? So God has a little bit inside information, just, just, to, just so you know that when you're using this, this send-o-meter to talk to God about something that He sent you on. All right. Now the next piece, the next key to success is dialogue. And that's the, okay, there we go. Sometimes if God sends you on something... You might be reluctant to talk to him about it. You think, well, I'm supposed to just say, God says go, I'm just going to go. And it's like the person where the spouse says, would you go and get some tea? And you run out the door before you've asked the right questions and you've asked enough questions. And so dialogue is actually a really important part of the process. And the dialogue can take three different patterns. The first of them is to, is to help you to decide, should I go? And so that's the first thing on the dialogue there, is simply, should I go? Now, the next group of things is what I'm going to call clarification. You see a whole bunch of clarification points up there. Everything from, uh, is this the right time to go, and so on. And so you see those in black. Now, sometimes dialogue can be to distract. And that's the third thing there. Somebody might say, this is a dumb idea. Maybe my wife says, would you go and get some tea? And I'm really busy and I just don't want to go. Instead of saying no, it's, uh, I think that's a dumb idea. Or why don't you send Ben, for example, all right? Or something as an alternative, all right? But the point is to derail it, to distract, to, all right? That's what's happening there. Now, this next slide shows it in a little more graphic way. You know me, I like graphic ways of seeing and understanding things. And so, if I ask a family member to go somewhere, they're thinking about what I asked. And maybe they'll ask some questions to get a little more clear picture of what is needed. And then you come to this split, where the person's starting to think, yeah, I will do that, or they're starting to think, eh, I don't think so, I don't really want to do that. There's a split that happens at a certain point along the dialogue. And maybe the dialogue, the person is leaning towards saying yes, and you can tell because the nature of the questions change. What is your favorite brand of tea? Do you want the 14-ounce size or the whatever, 28-ounce size? And, okay? and the nature of the questions change. And you can tell that those questions are to affirm their willingness to go and they, they're thinking, okay, can I succeed? And at a certain point, they've asked enough questions and they're convinced that they can succeed. Go back to the sendometer if you like. Okay? Now, there's, and the questions are for clarification. Other days, you're having this dialogue, and you can kind of see that they're starting to lean towards no. And the dialogue changes. Well, don't you think they might be, the store might be closed at this time of the night? All right? You, you know. Okay, I know. You know. All right? And you can just see the questions. They're questions, all right? And they're sort of legitimate and fair. But you can just tell, okay, that's going a different direction. 
Okay, so I like graphic stuff, and so I put this slide together. I was thinking about this whole thing, and I'm putting it up there for your benefit too. All right, now, things can go wrong. Sometimes I've been caught where somebody's asking a question that's for clarification for success, but I'm interpreting it as I don't really want to go, and this is a derailed question. And so sometimes conflict can arise if the sender misinterprets what a person is saying as being in the one category, the don't really want to go category, when really it's I'm trying to figure out how to make this work. All right. The next slide just talks about some things for dialogue of acceptance. And this is what it might look like. David, just go through some of those things. What brand and size would you like? When do you need it? Those are good questions to ask. And those are about getting organized. And there's a couple other things there. Timeliness. uh, Understand the purpose and goals. Now... Sometimes you get to the store, and like I said, you, you know, your wife sends you for pickles, and you think, that's easy. You have in your mind a cucumber about this big, all right? And you think you know exactly what you're going to get, and you get to the store, oh my goodness, there's 47 kinds of pickles. That happens when God sends you out, too. You think, oh yeah, I can do this, I know. And you start talking to somebody, and it just gets all about this much more complicated. And so the solution to that is... To take your cell phone along. And I finally figured that out. When Heather sends me to the store, I never leave home without my cell phone because there's about a 57% chance that I'm going to need it when I get there and I'm looking at <laughs> I see the heads nodding, okay? When God sends us out, we need to do the same thing. Okay? When God sends Marilyn to Haiti, okay, she keeps her phone on. <laughs> Okay, and she's constantly talking to God about, well, how and when and all those kinds of things. And it doesn't bother God that you keep your cell phone on. It doesn't bother Him that you're asking questions. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us something and we're supposed to just say, yeah, I'll go and you run off and do it, okay? That's not what He really wants. That was sort of the Sunday school answer. But really what He wants is, let's talk about this. I want to help you so you can succeed, so you can do the right things. I want to talk to you about making this a success. All right? And in contrast to that, and the goal here is to clarify and bring about success. The next slide shows a dialogue of rejection. And David, can you just put the different pieces up there? Okay, you know the sound of those questions. Sorry, can you back up to the the blue panel there? Okay, why are we doing this? Are you sure you need that? Those are things that are aimed at at, at rejection. And there's, there's a lovely proverb uh, in Proverbs 22.13. It says, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside and I will be killed in the streets. Can't do this because of this or that or something else. All right. All right, David, can you put the other parts of that? Don't you think that so-and-so will do a better job? And the function of those questions is to postpone, to complicate, to confusticate. All right. Confusticate, that's a really lovely word, okay? It sounds like what it is. It means to make complicated, unnecessarily complicated. All right, distract, object, and redirect. All right, you know those questions. When you talk to God, God knows those questions. He knows which category your questions go in, all right? Okay. Let's talk about some things you need to know to be sent successfully. What exactly is my task? One T, two T, three T's. 
What exactly is my task? And it's good to ask God and to be clear in your mind exactly what is the task. The next thing is, what are some of the subtleties I need to understand? Maybe it's a certain kind of green tea that you're getting. The next thing is, what do I need to do to prepare? Okay, don't forget the grocery bags, okay? Or whatever it is. The next thing is, and this is sort of in the next category, is what is my sender thinking? That's a really, really good question. And when I send my grad students on a task, I get nervous if they don't ask me some questions about the job I've given them to do. Because it means they don't understand what I'm asking them to do. Because if they did, they'd say, okay, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. I've got to ask some questions in order to do this job successfully. And I want them to understand why I am sending them on a certain task. And so it's really useful if you can think of, oh, that, okay, David, put another slide, uh, one more. Sorry, those are out of order. Okay. What is the sender thinking? If you can understand what the sender is thinking, then your probability of success will go way up. What is the goal and purpose? Why am I doing this? So if Heather says, it's because the ladies are coming over in half an hour, that gives me a whole bunch of information. I got to get busy and get to the store ASAP, all right? And, uh, you, all right? Um, why does the ta- how does the task connect with what others are doing? And the same thing is true when God sends us out. We want to understand how does our task connect with what he's given Isaac to do or Roy or somebody else. And then the last group of, the th- uh, uh, the, of things you need to know are how will my task be evaluated? So my task will be evaluated by not the number of liters of gas I burn, not by the number of minutes I spend. It's not a race. My task will be ev- evaluated by whether I come home with the right kind of tea. Now, when God sends you out, there's all kinds of pieces about what he sends you on that really don't matter. But you want to identify what is the thing that does matter so that you do it. And so if you're working with children, for example, you sense God calling you to work with children, that's great. And so you don't want to just say, okay, God, I'll do this and just kind of fumble through it, okay? And I don't mean, I'm not reducing anything that anybody does. But if you can say, God, why am I doing this? What is it that you want to achieve in the children this day? Then suddenly you will be much better able to do what God gives you to do. So you want to understand how will my task be evaluated? What, are the, what is the important thing about what I'm doing? And then the last thing is, when will I know if I'm finished? We often don't think about that. But especially in business, that's a really important question. Otherwise, you just keep on doing and doing and doing. Okay? I picked up the tea and I wander through the grocery store for another half hour. Oh, I didn't know they had this at this store. And Okay? Meanwhile, the ladies have come and I'm in big trouble because the tea didn't show up on time. Okay? (laughs) All right? We can do the same thing. It's important to know when you're finished. And I can give you a little bit of advice for the journey as well. It says, whatever you find to do, do it with all your might. And there's another passage that says, whatever work you do, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Most of us work for human masters of one kind or another. 
And it's really good if you can have this in your mind, whether it's the secular work you're doing, whether it's the work that your boss sends you to do, or whether it's something that God sends you to do. I want to look at a couple of Bible examples here. Moses, I already referred to this. I'm not going to read this all through. But if you're wondering about this, I referred to somebody sending someone else, all right? This is your biblical example. It doesn't mean it's a good example. The Bible's full of lots of bad examples, but there's an example there. Moses said, "Uh, I'm slow of speech and tongue, and please send someone else. But the Lord wasn't happy with that answer. The next example is Paul. Now, Paul strikes me as a guy that you're not going to ask to go to the grocery store for you. Do you get my point? All right. It says, Paul was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord and so on and so on. Okay. He's not your favorite uncle. He's not the guy you're going to say, do you mind to just go to the store and get me something or other? Okay. And the story goes on. So, So, this is what God did. God had a bit of trouble getting his attention to send him out on, a, on something. And it says, suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling on the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That must have been a, ter- a, a terrifying moment when God, the creator of all things, is saying that to you. And then, it's, and, and then it goes on and it tells the rest of the story. You know, you don't want to be in that place. There's a guy who couldn't figure out how, wouldn't go to the grocery store. I just can't picture his wife saying, do you mind to go to the grocery store? That's not happening, okay? And God had to knock him down. You don't want that. That's a good way to get PTSD or something, okay? You don't want that approach. You want to be the person, okay, I learned by going to the grocery store, and when God calls me to go, I know the things to do so that God can send me, and this can be a success. Next person we want to look at is Isaiah. I think I'm going, uh, uh, may, hmm. okay, I'm going to read this. Now, what I want you to see in this is that Isaiah had a very clear revelation from the Lord. He had this conversation, this dialogue with the Lord, and it set the scene for what happened and for his answer. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of the one who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, 
Here I am, send me. And it was out of his experience with God that he was able to say, Here I am, send me. And God did send him. And God gave him some very difficult things to do. You read in the very next words in this passage and you see God gave him some very difficult things to say to the people around him. But you know what? He was willing to be sent and he was willing to continue this dialogue with God. God showed him some remarkable things. He showed him a lot about who the Messiah was going to be 700 years before Messiah came. Isaiah is one of my favorite prophets. He talks about in Isaiah 40, prepare the way of the Lord. This is the word that John the Baptist used. John knew what he was going to do because he read what Isaiah had written. And it gave him focus to what his ministry was, his life's calling. Isaiah said, a virgin will conceive. He wrote the passage about the suffering servant in chapter 53. He he mapped out the the calling, the manifesto of the Messiah. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, okay? And if you go to hear Handel's Messiah this year, most of the words in Handel's Messiah come from words that Isaiah saw. And it says in John 12, it says, Isaiah saw, God's, saw Jesus' glory and spoke about Him. How remarkable. But he was willing to be sent. He said, send me. And he continued this dialogue. We could talk about Jesus' disciples. And it says in Matthew 10, as you go and it says what you're supposed to do. God wants to send every one of us out. Maybe not to the mission field, but maybe to the local mission field. The people that work or, or live near you. Matthew 10 says, as you go. If you go to Matthew 28, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. In Acts 1, it says, you will be my witnesses. Again, you see this recurring thing. God intends to send us out. And if we can learn how to be sent out by going to the grocery store, then we will be able to be sent out on these tasks with much more focus and understanding and setting and success. One more Bible passage I want to look at is the centurion whose story is recorded in Matthew 8. The centurion said, um, I'm going to read from the second panel, please, David. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. You see, this centurion understood sending people out, and he would have only gotten to that level of, of the military by being successfully sent out himself. He had lots of years of practice of being sent out. And then when he was the one sending out, he understood what it meant. When Jesus heard him say this, he was amazed and said to those following, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. 
You see, the centurion understood about being sent, sending others out and being sent out. And then when Jesus needed to send a word of healing, he totally got it. He knew exactly how this was all going to work because he had lots of experience with being sent out successfully and with sending others out successfully. <clears throat> A few weeks ago, I was at a healing fair with some friends of mine. And another friend of mine sets up a booth at various healing fairs around Ontario. And there were a group of three of us that were ministering to a person who came in. And this person said, I have pain in my back. I've had pain on this right side for a year and a half. I need healing. And... So we knew from the logos, from the general word, God says, as you go, heal the sick, etc., etc. So we knew what our general calling was. We were having sort of this reference to what God said, okay? Some of the dialogue, what God said, he said, go and heal the sick. So we knew what we were supposed to be doing. We were sent out to heal the sick. And this woman came in and she sat down. And one of my team members said to her, what happened a year and a half ago? And she said, nothing. She said, nothing really happened. And as we continued to minister to her and we talked to her about some things that we saw God was doing in her life, she wasn't a believer. She was just somebody who came in at the fair. And there was noise all around and other people wandering around. But God was talking to this woman. And, and we told her some things we saw that God was doing in her life and it encouraged her and allowed her heart to open up. And then our two people prayed for her, and this woman's pain level in her back went down from a 5 out of 10 to a 4 out of 10. And in the past, I would have said, okay, I don't know why, but that's all we can do for you. Thanks for coming. But I felt that we needed to ask some more questions. And so I circled back to the question. I sensed God saying, circle back to that question about what happened a year and a half ago. And so we did. And the woman said, okay, well, actually, that was a very difficult time at work. And she just said a cup, just a sentence or two about it. And so then we sensed she needed to forgive the people. She needed to forgive the people at work for what they had done. And she needed to forgive her family for not supporting her in that difficult time. And we just talked about it for a minute or two, and she quickly understood what forgiveness is about. And again, it's just part of the picture, but she, she said, okay, I'm willing to forgive those people. And she did that. And then our, the, the other two team members prayed for her, and her pain went down from a four to a two. You see, we were listening to God. We were having this dialogue. We'd been sent, and we were having this dialogue about, so what do we do next? We picked up our cell phone, and we had to talk to God. Okay, so what's next? And their pain went down to a two. Well, I like the, I like the story that finishes, and that finishes well. And so I was asking God, so what's this about? And I just got the sense that the woman's back had been in spasm for so long that her back hadn't been able to be flexible. And so I said, would you sit down and just flex your back back and forth a little bit? And she did that. And then we asked her to stand up and we said, how are you doing now? And her eyes were as big as saucers and she said, it's gone. The pain is completely gone. 
And so as we were sent out, we had our cell phones there and we were continuing to talk to God so that we could be sent out successfully. We could have just shown up at this health fair and said, God's Word says, go and heal the sick. And so we showed up and we sort of did what we could and and I guess we weren't very successful, but we kept our cell phones operating and we continued to have this dialogue with God just like you might have when you go to the grocery store. You learn how to do it by going to the grocery store. And then when God sends you on these things, you know, to keep your phone working, continue the dialogue, and he will show you exactly what to do so you can be successful when you are sent out and you do the tasks that he calls you to do. Now, I've got a little homework slide. You know me. I come from an academic background. Your homework is very simple. I encourage you to send one person out on a small errand. Now, the reason you want to do that is you'll understand what it means to be a sender, like the centurion, okay? He had learned what it meant to be a sender, okay? And the other part is be sent on an errand yourself. And if there's, anyway, you, you can figure out how to do that so everybody in your family sends someone and, okay, that's a little picture just to help you get an idea how you might do that. As you go and do this, ask God to talk to you. Okay? It's not just about going to the grocery store. I don't have shares and Sobeys or something, okay? But it's to give you a chance to do this little exercise and to be thinking about what does it mean to be a sender? What does it mean to be sent? And ask God to talk to you. And then the rest of the week, he'll start to talk to you about some things that he has called you to. And you'll be ready to have this dialogue so that you'll be able to make the most of the things that God has called you to do. I see we're just about out of time, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to suggest that you just take a few moments, just two or three minutes, and ask God to talk to you about something where he has sent you. Or maybe you want to talk about something that didn't quite go right in the past. I don't know what you're going to talk to to God about. But I'm just going to suggest that you take just a minute or two, and then I'm going to speak a closing blessing in, in, in about two minutes, all right? So just take a few moments.